from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Carly. And we're two of the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. You might be wondering, where's Jamidra? She is unfortunately sick, so we got another sick co-worker <laughs> to sit in for her. Her name's Emma Silvers. You might remember her from our second ever episode. Oh, wow. Oh, my, was it, oh, yeah. it was the second, second one. one now? Oh, my. Yeah. And you talked about the parental advisory label and Tipper Gore. I did. It was a good one. So go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it yet. Welcome, Thanks. Emma. Welcome back. Thanks, guys. Triumphant Thanks. return. Thanks for having me. I think I'm less sick than Jamidra. Well, that's the reason we hired you. For this. So, <laughs> you know, times are tough around here. People are people are dropping like flies. If you could just lean back a little so yeah, you don't spray I, the microphone quite so much. <laughs> Bring some gloves or something in here. It's appropriate that these end times have plagues that are taking over the office. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the locusts and the it's frogs. True. Famine. And... I'm hungry. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. It's starting. It's beginning. <laughs> so as we know, there have been a lot of protests happening, a lot of resistance. Music is very helpful in these times. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of anyone better to talk to us about protest music and its power than you. Thank you. Take it away. I guess one thing that I've been thinking about a lot since the election is the role of music in responding to tumultuous times like this. And, you know, in talking about today's episode, you were asking me about sort of the history of protest music. Like, I think I sent you a Country Joe song. I was going through songs that were a response to the Vietnam War. And I think that was one of the first times you started to hear a lot of humor in songs that are otherwise about very serious topics. Yeah, come on, all of you big strong men. Uncle Sam needs your help again. He's got himself in a terrible jam. Way down yonder in Vietnam. So put down your books and pick up a gun. We're gonna have a whole lot of fun. And it's one, a two, a three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. Next stop is Vietnam. Whippy, we're all going to die. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I've never heard that before. So, you know, I think there's something to be said for obviously satire and the ways that some of the most biting protest art kind of gets in your head and spreads. Earworms. Yeah, exactly. Um, more so than someone just like shouting at you. We're all going to die. <laughs> That is going to stick with me. Please right? talk like that for the rest of the episode, Emmanuel. <laughs> no problem, yeah. I will. <laughs> Skipping ahead a few decades, in the 80s and early 90s, the Reagan administration, of course, had its critics. That was also not coincidentally around the time hip-hop really had a golden age and kind of moved into the mainstream. You saw groups like Public Enemy, you know, their albums were being bought and played by teenagers in suburbia. That was sort of a first, bringing discussion of race relations into living rooms, dinner table conversations where they maybe weren't previously. And now, obviously, songs like Fight the Power are pretty iconic. So uh, let's listen to some of that. What we got to say, yeah. fight the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we got to say, yeah. fight the power. 
Okay, so skipping ahead a few decades in the early aughts with Bush 2, you had the kind of rock against Bush and punk voter movement where you saw bands like NoFX and Green Day and punk bands on the poppier side of the spectrum getting really political. This clip that we have is one from when NoFX was on Conan. It's already a political song, but he changed, uh, Fat Mike the singer changed some of the lyrics at the end to be things that they probably would not have let him say on Conan if they knew he was going to say them. We all know George Bush is an imbecile. He loves but he hates homosexuals. We're sick and tired of the embarrassment. The whole world wants us to get a better president. I will not be a Canadian. Hey, tell low, the nice Australian. I don't want to be another right old carapace. What are we going to do, Franco? Franco, an American. Is <laughs> <laughs> he laughing at the end? Yeah. He's like, we're going to get sued. <laughs> Got away with it. The word they bleeped out is dick, which uh-huh. is funny to me because it's just a Dick Cheney <laughs> joke. I mean, it's also like a dick joke, but the fact that that's what they bleeped. Of all of that sentiment. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, punk might get really funny again. I would I would like it if we could uh, bring in some of that humor again. I feel like we could all use some of that. Fiona Apple has been espousing that route, it seems, from her contribution to protest music. Have you heard this one? Tiny hands. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I heard this at the march and I thought the girls next to me made it up. And then I heard this after and was like, Fiona's impact. (laughs) (laughs) In case you haven't heard, listener, here's her chant. We don't want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants. We don't want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants. We don't want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants. I'm also personally interested to see what happens now. Amanda Palmer came out and said something like, punk's going to get really, you know, good again. Oh, I heard this. Yeah. And that's kind of a refrain you've heard from several people. And then there's some backlash to that. Jean Grey, who's a great rapper, comedian I interviewed a couple weeks ago, I asked her what her feelings on protest music were at the moment. And she said, obviously, there are important artists who have come out of protest movements. But when people have been like, I can't wait for the great art that comes out of this, please shut the f*** up. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda Palmer, shut the f*** up. Oh, okay. Oh, it's going to be so punk. That's like saying, yeah, slavery, man. How about that gospel music, though? Ooh. Yeah. I I mean, point taken. Comments made like that, I always wonder what skin in the game that person has who is is saying things like, oh, but isn't it going to be fun to sit back and watch the craziness unfold? And I think, really? Right. It's going to be fun for certain people. Right. Yeah, (laughs) it speaks to a certain amount of privilege to be able to focus on how great the art is going to be that yeah. comes out of something. So that's also something I've been thinking about is, you know, to what degree are songs of protest things that really uplift people, motivate people, and to what degree are some of them just like, oh, this is a thing white liberals are going to play to make themselves feel useful and like they're on the right side of something. Yikes. As a is... white liberal. <laughs> so <laughs> real. Spoiler, there is a white liberal sitting in front of us. <laughs> Uh, Tribe Called Quest, their album came out late last year, and they're a good example of remembering that this kind of music is not suddenly appearing in response only to this administration. They have been around and commenting on our socio-political situation since the 80s. They are exhausted. Yeah, they're so tired. But it also feels like they came back right when we really needed them. 
also soul crushing at the same time <laughs> yeah there's not a lot of room for subtlety is one thing i've been yeah. thinking about like the political commentary and music doesn't have to be there's no like bush to beat around so to oh. speak <laughs> <laughs> in so many senses jesus so in summary protest music great sometimes sad sometimes worthless unless you're a white liberal <laughs> Great summation. <laughs> United we stand, divided we fall. For every dime they give us, a battle must be fought. So working people, use your power to key to liberty. Don't support that rich man's style of luxury. So in these dark times, we hear a lot about self-care. Emma, do you do things for self-care? I do. Maybe this is a weird one, but you've probably heard me talk about watching really stupid TV. I recently watched all of Beverly Hills 90210 from oh. start to finish. Oh, the oh, whole yeah. series. That might not sound like self care, but it kind of is. <laughs> well, this like double side of self care maybe being harmful is the topic of a Guardian essay called Generation Treat Yourself The Problem with Self Care by Ara. Madawi. Well, hang on a minute, just to stop you there. Mm -hmm. The Guardian being a British publication. I grew up in a culture where self-care was, it, we just had another word for it, which was self-indulgence. Mm. The notion that you would sort of just step back and be like, I'm just going to take some time for myself. That It's not really in my cultural bedrock, I have to say. And it's taken a long time to learn how to do it. Just have a bath. Did you, you write know? this essay? I, I did. Your pen name is Ara Nadawi? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. People say I'm insensitive for choosing that one, but, you know, yeah. just went with it. <laughs> that is, that's, I never thought about the different cultural approaches to whether or not taking time out for yourself is something you deserve to do. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe times have changed since I left the UK. Well, I don't think they have. It's only been six years. But I do think that we would have laughed at Americans for being self-indulgent and talking about taking a day for yourself, you know. On the flip side, my people, the Greeks. Hey. Are down to take an afternoon siesta. Oh. Mm. During the workday, you just go home, eat with your people. And it's all about like being around people who lift you up and make you feel good. So there's nothing defining it as self-indulgent in that culture as far as I've seen. But let's find out what Ara is saying. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Back to Ara. So Google searches for the term self-care have reached a five-year high since the election. Oh, my Google trends. Mm. It's like, please help me. How do I take care of myself? <laughs> so it seems like a recent invention, like clean eating, like a fad or something. Mm. But apparently it goes all the way back to the ancient Greeks. Mm. Like all the best stuff. Mm -hmm. Like democracy, RIP. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon? Yeah. Do you guys have like a sad trombone button? Because I really think you should. So the Greeks apparently thought this was a necessary part of taking care of others and being a better, more honest citizen. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. Aro makes the case that self-care is even more important if you are a person from a marginalized community because focusing on yourself is a radical act when you're faced with powers that want to erase you and your rights. Hmm. 
Audre Lorde, famous feminist poet, a bunch of things, said, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah, mic drop. That's one side of self-care. <laughs> Another side is corporations now using it to sell things. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. There are self-care nail decals. Take care of yourself. Put these things Put on your these nails. shitty little bumper stickers <laughs> on your nails. One more thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Women. yourself. <laughs> I know. Feel bad about yourself. You haven't that, primped in a while. That is a double-edged sword. <laughs> and I'm sure the self-care nail decals for men are cheaper, too. They Probably. Or just don't exist. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they're so cheap. Massage chairs with the tagline, the science of self-care. And also just the idea of privileged people using the phrase as a hashtag to accompany their Lululemon selfies or them drinking a fresh pressed juice. Things that you would find on Mm -hmm. (laughs) goop.com. I mean, okay, so here's a question. It strikes me that the term self-care might be newly popularized, but the idea of taking time out for yourself before you go back out into the world is not new. Like, it used to just be called drinking wine and, Mm. like, taking a bath. (laughs) (laughs) Just because people are searching for the word self-care doesn't mean the actual acts are increasing in frequency or anything. It does seem to me, when you put it that way, like like more of a marketing concept than anything. Yeah, it used to be called... Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right. and the other days. <laughs> so we mentioned Goop, which is synonymous with privilege. Jamie Calvin, a writer and human rights activist, is worried oh. about privilege and self-care. He's worried that one of the dangers of the time we're living in is that, quote, people will become demoralized and retreat into denial that they will seek refuge amid the pleasures and fulfillment of private life. There was a term used in Central Europe to describe those who opted to retreat into private life under totalitarianism. They were called internal emigres. Oh. Yes. Oh, so the idea of like retreat is a very kind of physical and emotional state where you sort of abdicate responsibility by saying, nope, peace out. Mm -hmm. I'm not in the world anymore. He says, it's a real danger at a time like this. If we withdraw from public engagement now, we aid and abet that which we deplore. Mm. I don't know. I can see where he's coming from then. I really can. And so R was like, you know, I get it, but it's incredibly tempting to do that because everything we read is awful. Yeah. Nowadays, I wake up, I look at Twitter, and I'm horrified from, you know, minute one. Then I think, okay, maybe I'll step away from Twitter and stop checking and refreshing all the time. But then I feel guilty that I'm not as woke as I should be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I need to be informed so that I can fight back. So it's a cycle of just like giving up Twitter and then reading it too much and then going back and feeling guilty for taking time for myself. So I don't know what the answer is. And now this article has made me even more confused. (laughs) It's just one more thing to worry about. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think everybody has to figure out their own line, right? Because I absolutely agree with you when I find myself going like, no, I just want to retreat and shut off. There is a part of me that goes, no, that's what they want. They want us to just get Mm. so overwhelmed that we stop paying attention. I mean, I sound really paranoid right now that I'm hearing myself say that. But yeah, I I think that's somewhat (laughs) intentional. Um, So I don't want to do that. But also you can't be a productive, active member of society, let alone a resistance of any kind, if you're just exhausted and depressed Mm. all the time. It's that cliche about putting on your own oxygen mask before helping others as the plane plummets. Absolutely. Yourself first (laughs) before children. I do that anyway. So to end this on a happy note, something that made me laugh 
is I was listening to another round and they had listeners call in and give their self-care habits. And one particular listener shared this and I just loved it. But at the height of my anger, I've been listening to Jeff Buckley, The Smiths, Hozier and Radiohead um, because I want to hear white boys suffering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did not see that going there. Took a turn. Oh, can't blame her. The hills are alive with the sound of suffering white men. <laughs> Everybody hurts sometimes. Wow, wow, wow. All right, so it's time for our peak and pit of the week. Hey. So one of the pits, because there's two, both of them go to suffering white men. <laughs> Love it. This one goes to John Voigt. Oh, no. A.K.A. Angelina Jolie's dad. Yes, let's refer to him as that, please. Best thing he ever did. It's true. <laughs> no, that's not true. He was an anaconda. I was just going to bring that up. I was going to say he was really creepy in the entirety of Anaconda, Jennifer Lopez's magnum opus. That was the last time he was relevant to me, but apparently other people think he's relevant, including TMZ, who interviewed him this week about the state of America, the Women's March, and, of all people, Shia LaBeouf and Miley Cyrus. Let's hear what he's upset about. The march was about, it was against the government and against this president trying to to, uh, denigrate his his office and his presidency. And that's no good, you know. And, and, uh, and And when you see the young people like uh, Shia LaBeouf and Miley Cyrus, and they have a lot of followers. Young people are looking at them. What are they teaching? They're teaching treason. They're teaching, teaching going up against the government, not accepting the, the will of the people on this presidency. And, uh, and it's a very sad day, really, when I, when, I, when I see this. It is treasonous to march and protest. I like to think that ringing phone was uh, Angelina. <laughs> she was like, Dad, up, stop talking. <laughs> but they don't talk. I wouldn't talk to him either. Yeah, that's why. And it's just kind of funny that all these conservatives are saying marching is not allowed and it's un-American. And it's like there's nothing more American other than racism than (laughs) protesting. Saying the unsayable. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, well, also Donald Trump said he wouldn't accept the results of the election if Hillary Clinton won. (laughs) So to turn around now and say that it's somehow treasonous to be protesting, this is really... Yeah. I should not be surprised by hypocrisy anymore. Yeah. No, never mind. And even he isn't, he's still not accepting the results. Yeah. You heard him. He thinks there was still some illegal things going on, mm. but only on her side, not his. So a, a total recount is going to happen, right? Right. Oh, that would be great. Okay. Or yeah. just a revote would be fine with me. Yeah. It's so interesting how we're suddenly getting all of these old fashioned words like treason coming back. Mm-hmm. Little story from my home country. Um, they're trying to, um, some people trying to make Brexit not happen, basically. And there was a high court ruling on it recently that it's putting the brakes on it slightly. And one of the major, I can comfortably say, right wing newspapers that rhymes with daily fail, perhaps, <laughs> um, put these judges on its front page with the headline, Enemies of the People. Whoa. So wow. if that reminds you of anything, it's meant to. Fine. Nice. Let's bring it down there, guys. Sorry. Wait, what, so. what, what word would they use if they managed to reverse Brexit? Like, is there a cute word for that yet? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> All I have is Brentrance. Reverse? Reversal? Reverse Brexit? Yeah. Okay, we'll work on it. So the other pit is even more deserved than what we just heard. It belongs to a man named Frankie Eugene Bybee. Let me paint you a picture. The month 
is October. The place? Sarasota, Florida, a county full of retirees. One of these retirees is a 79-year-old woman who we'll call Hilda because I couldn't find her real name in any of these articles. Hilda sounds like an age-appropriate name. Yeah. I actually looked up old women names. (laughs) (laughs) And I picked that one. So Hilda has not been feeling well for many, many months. And on a particular day in October, she wasn't feeling well, like, particularly. So she calls the cops. She's like, can someone please help me? Like, I need to be driven to the hospital. So Frankie Eugene Bybee comes over, and he takes her to the hospital. And he, having done his service, could have just left. But Mm -hmm. instead, he stayed and hung out with her, and they prayed together. It was very cute. And as time progresses, he kept visiting her. He introduced them to his children. She introduced him to her two-year-old Yorkshire Terrier, JJ. Oh, God, I don't like where this is going. (laughs) Now you've just introduced... Chekhov's Yorkshire Terrier. Right? It has to go off at some point. (laughs) So months pass, and they're really close, and so close that she feels like, hey, I'm about to go back into the hospital for a procedure. I trust this person to take care of JJ. Frankie is like, I'll do that for you, but I need $1,000 because, you know, JJ might need some grooming. JJ might need an emergency trip to the vet, something like that, just in case. Very preemptive. Right. So Hilda, I'm sure, thought that was weird, but she went with it because, you know, she's 79 years old and needs help. So she goes back into the hospital. He starts sending her weird selfies of him and the dog in a bed. That's like the main image of all these stories, by the way. Don't worry, there's nothing bestiality-esque coming up. I wish you'd led with that. (laughs) I've been running on adrenaline for the last five minutes doing this anecdote. You're like, please don't touch the dog inappropriately. So... Frankie's behavior starts to change. He starts being controlling and she starts feeling uncomfortable. And then she definitely starts feeling uncomfortable when he rehomes JJ to someone he found on Craigslist without asking her. So around Christmas time, Hilda calls the Sarasota Sheriff's Department where he works and asks for help in pushing him out of her life because she's not feeling it. She also wants her dog back. Pretty simple. The cops start, like, looking into this, and Frankie has had a history of dishonesty, they say. So they're like, "Mm, sounds like, sounds like Frankie. So we'll figure this out. Around that time, there's a package for him at the police station, and inside is $50,000 check made out to him from her, and three $5,000 checks for each of his children from her again. So she's like, uh, that's not for me. That's not my handwriting. I never use my middle name, which is Agatha. We'll go with that. (laughs) More Google searches for old lady names. Standard. And the investigation intensifies. If the allegations are true, his whole law enforcement career would be over. Wait, he was a policeman? Yes. <laughs> oh, God, I missed that part. Yes. That's why he came over to help her and drive her because she called the cops and he's one of the cops. Oh. Frankie tries to cover his tracks by silencing Hilda. He goes to her house. She's chilling at home. She's like, I've been through enough. I'm just self-caring. And... He comes in through the unlocked front door. He's wearing dark clothes and blue latex gloves. Red alarm. (laughs) People don't wear blue latex gloves for fun. Mm, Ring the alarm. I've been doing this too long. I'd be damned if I see another chick on your arm. (laughs) Gospel according to Beyonce. He goes in there and he grabs her face, makes her bleed, puts his knee in her pelvic area, pinning her to a chair and tries to force pills down her throat. She loses consciousness. She wakes up later, and her home is very warm. She staggers into the kitchen, which was very hot, 
And that's when she noticed that the door to the garage was open and her Toyota Camry was running. There's carbon monoxide everywhere. He was trying to make it seem as if she had overdosed on her pills and tried to commit suicide. It did not work. Frankie has been arrested and charged with attempted murder, exploitation of the elderly, grand theft, burglary, and battery. And his bail is set at $1 million. And he still refuses to tell them where the dog is. Oh, God. But someone found JJ anyway. So, pit of the week to Frankie for trying to get away with a lot of things, trying to kill Hilda, and just being the worst. And it makes you think, like, can we even trust cops? Hmm. I have so many follow-up questions. (laughs) Almost too many. Like, I know we don't have time. I'll just ask one. Where did you find this story? Is there, like, a terrible things that happened in Florida this week? (laughs) Yeah. These stories have a way of finding me and revealing themselves because the universe knows that I will then unleash them into the world in order to awaken people to the fact that you should not trust people who are trying to befriend you, who are trying to introduce you to their children, because eventually they will put your dog on Craigslist and try to murder you. So, hang on, sorry, (laughs) your advice was just don't trust people that are trying to befriend you. Trust no one. (laughs) Have no friends. Friends are a lie. So I'm going back on my resolution to be less of an emo hermit. It's like, no, be an emo hermit (laughs) because when you're not one and you try to befriend, this is what happens. There's a cave playing the Smiths right now with your name on it. (laughs) (laughs) Get in there and stay in there till all of this is over. So to make us feel better after that, the peak of the week is animals resisting Hmm. oppression. We'll start with squirrels. (laughs) As per usual. Naturally. Specifically, squirrels in Toronto near a grocery store called Luke's Grocery. These squirrels have been caught on camera stealing over 40 candy bars that have nuts in them. Fight the power! So you can watch these videos of them like sneaking in, all tentative, and then they grab one and run out. And Luke of Luke's Grocery is beside himself. He's like, these squirrels, I just like, I'm losing profits and they just keep coming in there and uh, I just can't. But team squirrels, I mean, they were here first. And they deserve... Taking back what's rightfully theirs. Yeah. Another animal that's making me so happy, who's also in a foreign country, Ollie Oliver is a six-year-old orange tabby cat. He lives in London. Of course and... he does. I knew his name is Ollie Oliver. <laughs> he lives near a Sainsbury's in Broccoli, London. Sainsbury's. Oh, whatever. Sainsbury. I went to Tesco's when I lived there. Sorry about it. Oh, well done you. <laughs> I've been to Tesco too. 5,000 times. Cool. (laughs) So has Ollie. Because (laughs) despite being banned, the six-year-old cat keeps breaking into his local Sainsbury's and can be found, quote, walking on the shelves, silently judging customers and what they put into their baskets. How did they ban him? Security (laughs) keeps removing him and, I guess, telling him no. And this article says six-year-old Ollie Oliver clearly doesn't answer to anyone. So keep up the good fight, animals of the world. But mainly in grocery stores. Yes. <laughs> the natural world. Well done, you. Keep up the fight. I'm a free animal, free animal. I'm a free animal, free animal. So we outro with a song every week. This week's song is by Migos. They went on a radio show recently and were asked to rap to Llama Llama Red Pajamas, a children's book. And they did. 
and it sounds really great. Good job, everyone. <laughs> llama, llama, re-pajama, restore with his mama. Llama, 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 llama. Thanks to our podcast papa, David Marcus. Thanks to Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs for our amazing theme song that you hear at the beginning of the show. And thanks to Jay Simpson for helping me edit. Please subscribe on iTunes. Also rate us if you like us. If you don't, um, you never heard this. Until next week, find us on social media. I am Excuse My Beauty without the first D on Twitter. I am at Teacup in the Bay. I am at Jimitra Says. Follow us. Favorite our stuff. Retweet. Bye. 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 Lama, Lama, Ripper, Jama, Lama, huh, Lama, Lama, call down to Lama, his mama, brr, 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 Lama.